Well, this is um, an important day. It's a it's categorized uh, as a feast, which is um, you know one of the higher higher valued um, uh, liturgies, and uh, it's a commemoration of it's we, we refer to it as the exaltation of the cross. Um, it's actually uh, otherwise known as the, the the finding of the cross. Okay. Uh, in, in Latin, it's a funny word, okay? It's the invention of the cross. But what we think of now as an invention is like meaning that we created something. But in, inventio in Latin has to do with finding, okay? Discovering, okay? So this is the discovering of, we, we commemorate the discovery of the cross. Well, what is this discovery of the cross? Uh, it took place in the fourth century. It was uh, Constantine's mother, Helena, who... Um, was able to go to the Holy Land and um, build the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. And, uh, you know, I kind of, I often comment and reflect, think about this, it's pretty interesting, how a lot of this is news to people. Like, if you, so if you talk to a Muslim today, and you say, what's the holiest place for, for Muslims? And they'll be like, well, Mecca. I mean, they know it, you know. It's, and uh, they, they... I think it's part of their religion that they want to travel to Mecca at least once in their life, if they're for the for the men at least. And um, but for Christians, you're like, okay, so what's the holiest place for Christians? And Christians, I think, are oftentimes a little bit confused by that question. They might say, well, maybe I guess you know, I think Catholics probably have the sense like, okay, it's got to be the Holy Land, probably, probably the Holy Land, something like that, right? Jerusalem, maybe something like that. Okay, <laughs> but actually. Um, which is true, which is true, but it, just the fact that we're not as quick as Muslims to be able to say what is our holiest place uh, is is a sign of, I think, decay, actually, in the history of Christianity. Um, and in particular, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, very, very important. All of these events are extremely important um, for us as Christians. Uh, when Constantine came into power at the four, in the 4th century, um, the exact site where Jesus had been crucified, uh, where he had been buried, it was it had been intentionally covered up by a pagan temple for the for for 200 years before that. So um, uh, it was um, the Emperor Hadrian who, when he expelled the the Jews, there was two main Jewish wars: 70 A.D., 135 A.D. In the second Jewish war, he expelled all the Jews from Jerusalem, but at the same time he did a little dig against the Christians too because he built a temple to Venus over the place where Christ was crucified and where he was buried. And so Helena came in when the when her son, really the first Christian emperor, she came in, she had the power and the authority, she cleared off this temple, dug up everything and and discovered, okay, and uncovered the place where Christ was crucified, where he was buried. And, uh, and the tradition has it that they also found the three crosses. It's the cross upon which Christ was crucified and the two crosses um, of the thieves as well. And they had been buried in, they were placed like in a cistern or something. It was kind of, you can go to the, to this day, you can go to Church of the Holy Sepulchre and you can find this winding kind of stairway that goes down into the basement area, like where this cistern was and that's where the crosses were, were invented, meaning discovered or found. And uh, it was so. So Helena and her and her people had a problem. They had three crosses. Well, which one is it, which one is the real is the cross that Christ was crucified on? And uh, again, by tradition, it was, there was a miracle associated with one of the three crosses, so that was identified. 
uh, the, the cross on which Christ was crucified was identified. Why is it so important to actually have found specific that particular cross? Um, well, there's a lot to this, but I, I think in general, maybe like a lesson, a take-home lesson for us is that God's love is not general. God's love is particular. Okay, so Jesus came, and he came to die not just for human beings in general, but for each one of us in particular. That's an amazing thing to think about. And if it was the case that uh, um, you know John was the only human being in existence, Jesus would have done every every single thing that he did, but he would have done it just for John. So Jesus' love and his sacrifice is not just general. He didn't just die for general human beings in general, but he died for every single one of us in particular. And so that is this sense of, I mean, I think we should have this overwhelming sense that God loves us, me in particular, in general. I'm sorry, <laughs> in particular. Me specifically, me. Okay, that's how, how precise and particular Jesus' love is. And God's choice to call us, to, to send his son to die for us, to do everything for, for me individually. It's, it's really an amazing thought, something that really needs to, should give us great uh, encouragement and strength. And so when he came, he could have chosen, it, it, analogously, he could have chosen any cross in the world. He could have chosen any tree in the world. But think about it. There was, from all eternity, he had foreordained this one specific tree that was going to be cut down and made into the cross. And it was that, that one particular cross that was used as the instrument for the redemption of, of you and me in particular and all human beings in general as well. So the, the specificity and the preciseness is a precious, precious instrument. It's not that cross or this cross. It's this specific cross that was used to show Jesus' particular love for us as, as human beings. And um, so uh, when, we ha- when we hang a cross on our, our walls, we know that that's just a symbol of the cross. When we talk about the cross, we've got to really remember we're talking about a specific instrument of execution. And so it's not the cross, like the cross, I mean, it's not this general thing, it's abstract reality. We're talking about a specific cross. So the crosses that we hang on our walls are just a symbol of a specific cross that was the instrument of our redemption. And uh, there's a myth out there that says if you could take all the pieces of the true cross and assemble them together, you'd have, you could build a house with it. It's actually not true. It's really not true. Okay, it's really kind of like a Protestant slander against Catholics, all right? Uh, if you were to take all the true pieces of, of the true cross, the purported pieces of the true cross, and put them together, it would probably assemble something like this, big. Just it would be a portion, a fraction of the cross. So uh, it's, it's a very likely, if you come across a relic that claims to be a piece of the true cross, it's very likely it really is a piece of the true cross. There's a lo- very long history to the true cross, what happened to it after Helena found it. Uh, and Muslims, <laughs> there was a lot of wars, and, and, and uh, Muslims tried to capture it, and the Persian emperor, emperor was eventually successful in capturing it at one point, and Emperor Heraclius in the 7th century went and he fought a whole war to win the cross back, <laughs> and all of this stuff, and then he, so that uh, people who were, again, you know, the, the people outside the Christian emperor, empire would not be able to 
steal it again, they broke it up into many pieces. So it wouldn't be able to be captured all at once. And so then there's chips of it were taken off and brought to Europe and all. So it is, it's spread all over the world. But it's very likely if you find a piece of the true cross, it really is, it really is a true cross. And, and give it the special veneration that it is due, um, as the specific instrument that, that Jesus, that God chose from all eternity to win our redemption. And, uh, and may it be a reminder that, uh, Jesus' love is not just general, but it's specific for each one of us individually.